0: I'm Santiago Lopez, Jr. with the Lopez Brothers Farm in Pleasanton, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to
1: Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State.
2: Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Thanks so much for taking time to join us for another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you gotta do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're gonna take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state of the nation, Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin. I'm your host, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley.
3: Cattle feeders in the Texas High Plains and throughout the state have been hit with a price slump. I'm James Hunt and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll bring you some perspective from the Texas Cattle Feeders Association.
4: The importance of land appraisals for rural property in Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have more with Tyler Jacobs of Hall & Hall Land Company, straight ahead on Texas Ag
2: Today.
0: Weather in the black lands remains consistent only in that it changes. This is Dr. Shane McClellan and I'll have more from Lake
2: We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Cow calf operators seem to be continuing to send more animals to feedlots than normal, sooner than normal.
5: Higher placements happening right now are going to translate into a little bit larger supplies in the you know first few months of 2024.
2: But USDA Outlook Board Chairman Martin Jekinowski says supplies of cattle in 2024 as a whole will still be lower than this year. Of course, prices have taken a drop recently.
5: But still, overall, steer prices are, are, are relatively strong and expected to increase in 2024.
2: For this year, Fed steer prices are expected average 175, 55, 100 weight.
5: We expect that to increase uh, next year with even tighter supplies to $178.25 per hundredweight.
2: That's a 1.5% increase as supplies tighten. Six Texas farmers are being recognized by national sorghum producers for the yields they produce this year.
6: Brad Justice of Dallas County had the highest sorghum yields in the dryland tillage western category in Texas with 143 bushels an acre. Cell grain, Incorporated of Ocultree County came in second in that category with 118 bushels an acre. In the Dryland No-Till Western category, first in Texas was Trageas Family Farm in Ocultree County. They saw 140 bushels an acre. James and Dana Bourne of Ocultree County was second in the state in that category with 133 bushels an acre. In the Irrigated Western category, Fourway Farms of Dallas County was number one in Texas with 178 bushels an acre. Second in that category was Roger Buchanan of Hutchinson County with 169 bushels an acre. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel.
2: The U.S. House of Representatives passed a bipartisan resolution targeting the critical water shortage in South Texas. Congressman Henry Cuellar and Congresswoman Monica de la Cruz teamed up to push the measure, which calls on Mexico to fulfill its obligations under a 1944 treaty with the United States. That treaty governs the allocation of water from the Colorado, Tijuana, and Rio Grande Rivers. The treaty requires Mexico to provide the United States with an average of 350,000 acre-feet of water per year over a five-year cycle. However, Mexico has repeatedly waited until the end of the five-year cycle to fulfill its water contribution. The current water scarcity and drought conditions in South Texas are causing severe problems for farmers and ranchers as they struggle to get the water they so desperately need from the treaty. Cattle feeders in Texas have been hit with a price slump. James Hunt has some perspective on the price drop from the Texas Cattle Feeders Association.
3: Not very long ago, feed yard operators were riding a rising tide when it comes to fed cattle prices but that came to a halt rather abruptly. Brady Miller is with tcFA the Texas cattle feeders Association
7: last week we bottomed out at 168 at the end of the week we did pop back up and sell a few cattle at 170 so that was a bonus and that was a positive thing to see that guys in the country were willing to hold out for a little bit of a higher price so that's very positive but if you look at that compared to our high that we hit here about 45 days ago 60 days ago we topped out at 186 so we've dropped about 18 dollars per hundred off of these cattle.
3: Miller says when prices were at that 186 level, profits were averaging about $100 to $150 per head on a cash basis. But with the $18 per hundred weight tumble, average losses stand at roughly $200 per head. Miller says the big cause for the fall-off is this. The number of cattle in feed yards has continued to go up longer than many analysts had anticipated.
7: We're seeing some pretty large numbers coming to the feed yard being put on feed. And so when the people are predicting fewer cattle on feed and we start seeing more cattle being placed on feed and our cattle on feed numbers going up instead of staying steady or going down the markets are going to react and they're going to okay we were expecting this but we're seeing this now we're going to have a correction and so we're going through a corrective time frame here because of our cattle on feed numbers and what those are looking like in the feed yards
3: tomorrow Brady Miller talks about the market outlook going forward I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
2: Rural land appraisals can be a real challenge if you don't know what you're doing. Tom Nicoletti looks at the different type of appraisals.
4: We go to Tyler Jacobs today. He is broker partner with Hall & Hall Land Company in the College Station area. And uh, Tyler, today we are talking about the appraisals of rural land. And uh, certainly this is uh, very important Uh, to have these land appraisals, but uh, not all appraisals or appraisers are equal, right? Absolutely. One of the the confusing topics even is what we mean by that. And so we're talking about fee appraisers that are hired by the landowner or potential land, whether it's a lending opportunity or an estate planning need or a third party is, is potentially devaluing your property through some outside action. So definitely some challenges there that I think a little bit of clarity will help. Most people are familiar, Tom, with getting an appraisal as part of their purchase, whether it's just to make sure that they feel confident about the valuation or if a lender may need an appraisal on file for their valuation and, and assessing the the value of the land. So there are different occasions, uh, Tyler, to uh, need appraisals and and uh, hire an appraiser. So let's talk about the the lending aspect to begin with. When you would hire an appraiser as part of your lending pursuit, and so whether you're purchasing a property or refinancing a property or you're trying to take cash out of a property, your lender is going to seek some sort of formal valuation of your asset to assess the loan to
2: value of, of your property. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Weather in the central Texas Blacklands is constantly changing. Dr. Shane McClellan has an update from Waco.
0: We have had some really warm days for it to be in the month of December, only to have some really cold days in the month of December, Uh, even some freezing uh, weather-type mornings. Our weather will warm up and it will cool down, not staying really too warm or too cold, uh, just kind of in between. The ebb and flow of the weather isn't hurting agriculture producers right now other than we could use more scattered showers across Texas. We haven't had a really hard freeze in the central Texas area until the morning of December 11th when the temperatures did dip below freezing and the temperature had had somewhat of a bite to it. We have had multiple frost events in the last few weeks, but none that have really burned down all of our warm season plants. We may get some warm season plants that are burnt back, but just not all of them. Uh, I have seen Bermuda grass stands and pastures that are still green and growing due to us not having a hard killing frost. I am okay with that since ryegrass growth has been somewhat slow in our area due to the drier weather. Our oats and wheat that were planted for grazing are off to a great start and look very good offering livestock some grazing. Compared to the last few years, it looks really good for this stage of growth. Wheat that was planted for grain harvest is also germinating, emerging. We've had enough moisture to get it off to a good start, but now we're needing a, a timely rain. We're about two, two and a half weeks out from the last, what I would call, decent rainfall. We have had some scattered showers in the Texas Blackland region, but from McLennan County south through the Blackland region, we're still drier than we would like to be for this time of year. Rain is in the forecast, and we still need a good soaking top rain for some topsoil moisture as, as well as deep soil moisture. We haven't had a, a big, slow soaking rain or even a big, heavy runoff top rain. Most runoff top rains have been north or west of McLennan County. Lake Waco filled up in a few days from one large runoff top rain that was in Bosque County. We need that type of rain over much of Texas. I am getting some phone calls on insect populations, flies, gnats, different caterpillars that are, that are in big numbers in small localized areas. Those insect populations increase solely due to environmental conditions, temperature and rainfall being the two factors that are most important to provide optimal environmental conditions for insects to flourish, and it can be very localized. I've seen huge grasshopper hatches over a mile wide area and then no one else in our region will have them. Same thing can happen on rain. You know, Some get the rain and and just some don't. Same for these insect populations. Some have got large numbers, others don't. It'll be a small thing after these hard frosts. It'll change all of that. Until next time, this has been Dr. Shane McLellan from Waco for Texas Ag Today.
6: Researchers are making strides in combating and detecting chronic wasting disease. I'm Jessica Dommel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today.
2: And winter cow syndrome is common in Texas, but there are ways to prevent it. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Parenting is full of surprises.
7: You never know what to expect.
2: We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Winter cow syndrome is common here in Texas, but Dr. Bob Judd says there are some ways to prevent it.
8: Winter cow syndrome is a situation in which cows lose weight and deteriorate over the winter. Wet and cold weather is especially hard on these cows as if they are dry, supplementation is generally not needed until the wind chill drops below 32 degrees Fahrenheit. However, Dr. Bob Larson indicates that if the cows are wet, the critical temperature to start supplementing is below 59 degrees Fahrenheit, and most of Texas is below this temperature in the winter. To prevent winter cow syndrome, you must examine these cows in the fall, and any cows with a smooth mouth or any cows that are thin should be culled before the winter. Cows on native pasture will likely need protein supplementation, and energy may need to be supplemented in cold, wet weather. For cows that start calving in the late winter, protein and energy requirements increase, and these cows need 1.8 pounds of protein per day and 11 megacalories of energy per day. Once these cows start nursing a calf, these amounts of protein and energy can almost double. Cows can be supplemented with a variety of feeds, and the best feed depends on the cost, availability, and ease of handling. Good quality grass or legume hay, byproduct feeds such as wheat mids, corn gluten feed, distiller's grains, soy hulls, and commodities such as corn or whole soybeans, and commercial tubs or cubes are all options. Regardless of the source, the total diet should supply adequate energy, protein, salt, phosphorus, and calcium. Also, monitor your cows closely, and any cows that are thin should be separated and fed additional protein and energy to make it through the winter. Once a cow goes down due to winter cow syndrome, it is rare for them to recover. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
2: Researchers are making strides in detecting and combating chronic wasting disease. Jessica Domal has the story in today's Wildlife Report.
6: A second-generation test for chronic wasting disease could enable deer breeders and state officials to better detect the fatal neurological deer disease in live or deceased deer. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission was recently briefed about the test by Dr. Peter Larson, assistant professor in the College of Veterinary Medicine at the University of Minnesota. The test is called the Real-Time Quaking Induced Conversion Test, or RT-QUIC, and was developed in 2007 for Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease, which is a human prion disease.
9: Many labs have independently confirmed RT-Quick accuracy in both human and animal prion diseases. The test is so sensitive that you could take one tablespoon of these and mix it in a 400 Olympic-sized swimming pools that have these in it. That test could pick that up. So that's how sensitive it is.
6: The test can be used to detect CWD in venison, skin, mucus, blood, urine, feces, water, soil, plants, insects, and sentinels.
9: Real-time sentinels based surveillance, based on all the, the research that we've done and what we're doing now on the pre side of things, we really believe that you can catch CWD very early in the cycle of the disease, within two or three months, probably. And because of that, that might open up new opportunities for proactive real-time management. If you catch it super early and you live test, you could call those the animal, and then go into monitoring with the sentinels and see if, if you effectively got in front of the situation. The caveat with all of this, if you go into an operation where CWD has been cooking for too long, you're not going to get in front of it. It's too late. You have to be there early, early on.
6: That was Dr. Peter A. Larson from the University of Minnesota. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domal.
2: It's time to check the markets. We'll be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas
1: Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years, We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today.
6: The cattle complex traded higher on Wednesday, despite a lack of support as we near the Christmas holiday. Traders say there is some uncertainty as we await the release of the cattle on feed report on Friday. December live cattle up $1.57 to one seventy oh two. February live cattle up $1.52 to $170.30. January feeder cattle up two hundred fifteen to two hundred twenty four zero five, March feeder cattle up two hundred and fifty five to two hundred twenty five seventy five. Box beef was lower choice down a quarter to two hundred eighty eight fifty eight. Select down a dollar seventy four to two hundred sixty one forty two. Now let's check those livestock auctions. We're walking the pins with Larry Marble.
7: Gary Butler, Nixon Livestock, sells them every Monday. Gary, how was the last Monday before the holiday sale?
5: We wind up with 836. I figured we'd wind up eight, eight and a half. 836, 118 cows and 17 bulls. Uh, it looked like the calf market was about steady. Uh, I didn't see a whole lot of difference. In it. The lighter cattle have jumped on up there where they, where they were. Uh, two two and three weight cow steers, 242 to three and a quarter heifers two dollars to 290 three and four weight steers 45 to 325 heifers dollar 26 uh, 226 to 320 four and five weight steers 223 to three dollars heifers 206 to 275 five and six weight steers of 216 to 268 heifers dollar 95 to 218 six and seven weight steers dollar 97 to two and a quarter and the heifers a dollar. Eighty-two to two hundred nine uh, on the steers and bullions. some 8 white steers, bullions, a dollar ninety-one to two ten, and the heifers were a dollar ten to a dollar seventy-eight. And slaughter cows, they took a little money off. looked like they're uh, forty to ninety six. Of course we didn't have a lot of high yielding cows. Uh slaughter bulls got uh, $1.15 a dollar fifteen for the best bull. Uh stocker cows got ninety-eight to a dollar twenty a pound. And we had one pair bring eight hundred dollars.
7: Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you for that first sale after the holiday.
5: You can get us here uh, at the sale barn eight three zero five eight two fifteen sixty one sixty two. Uh catch me mobile, eight three zero eight five seven forty. We wish everybody a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, Larry. And we appreciate all our customers and buyers.
7: And Gary, we appreciate you being a part of Walking the Pens here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. You're listening to us right this second on Texas Ag Today.
6: Lean hogs traded lower Wednesday as traders are concerned about strong pork production in China because it may limit opportunities for U.S. pork exports. February lean hogs down 32 cents to 70.22. April lean hogs down 67 cents to 76.92. Block cheese fell 0.75 cents Wednesday to $1.44. Barrel cheese down 1.75 cents to $1.39. Dry whey fell a penny to 38 cents. December class three milk up three cents to 1617 a hundredweight. January class three milk up four cents to 1566 a hundredweight. March cotton down 25 points to 79.21, May cotton down 21 points to 80.06, July cotton down 23 points to 80.56. Corn traded lower Wednesday pressured by rain expectations in drought-stricken areas of Brazil. There are also concerns with a temporary U.S. rail closure in and out of Mexico, as Mexico is the number one buyer of U.S. corn this year. March corn down 3 to 4.69 and three quarters. May corn down 2 and three quarters to 4.82 and a half. July corn down 2 and a quarter to 4.92 and a half. March hard red wheat down 16 and a half to 6.25. May hard red wheat down 15 and a half to 6.29 and three quarters. January natural gas fell 4 cents Wednesday to 2.44. February natural gas down 2 cents to 2.34. February crude oil up 44 cents to 74.38 a barrel Wednesday. March crude oil up 37 cents to 74.58 a barrel. The Dow fell 164 points Wednesday to 37,393. The S&P 500 fell 33 points to 4,735. And the NASDAQ fell 104 points to 14,898. And that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. We hope you join us next time for the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Dolmol, and I hope to see you then.
1: Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts.